Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This episode is brought to you by Buyers Agency Australia. I didn't realize it at the time, but I didn't realize what a great foundation it would give me to life by being able to be, you know, set goals, be clear on what you want in life. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking to A-game property founder and buyer's advocate Jim Malmatinas, whose upbringing and hard work led him to huge success. Learning how to start saving when he was just 13 years old, earning $4 an hour, set up the discipline needed to become a successful developer and achieve financial freedom. Mel Martinez is a buyer's advocate and property developer for Melbourne. He gives us an overview of his day both professionally and personally. My typical day, I've got to say, is so uh, varied day by day, which is what I like. So part of my business is property development. So I run my own property development projects and that takes 25% of my time where I'm liaising with builders, architects, land surveyors, depending on what stage the development's at, is who I'm dealing with. So that's sort of one part, but also coach and help other clients find development sites as part of the business side of things and then the second part is pure buyers advocacy so i buy homes and investment properties for clients with everything with an investment focus if you like so coming you know going back to that in, um, property development site to a home to investment property I've got two kids as well, so you know I'm pretty active, hands-on dad. So I think ultimately for me, you know, I live the life of my dreams. My two passions in life are property and people, so I get to do that on a daily basis. And I also have a life of freedom where I can choose the hours that I work. Yes, they're they're long, but they're flexible. So you know, I can you know duck in and out and pick my kids up if I need to from the office and and just be present in their lives because you know they're. At, you know, fundamental years, right? Pre-teen and a teen I've got. And so just being available for them and, you know, serving people, living my passion is key. Being a family man, he knows how important it is to spend time with your kids. So my daughter just turned 15. So we're definitely going through the year nine um, teenage years, but she's beautiful. I've got to say, she still likes hanging out with her old dad for now. So we'll see how long that goes for. Um, and my son's a preteen, so he's about to turn 11 in a couple of weeks. And yeah, so I'm still this hero, you know, at this point, again, once the next few years hit and hit, hits puberty, who knows how long that will last. But, you know, for me, it's, it's about just being present in their lives as much as I can right now. And I can having my own business, obviously, there's that flexibility to design your life around being there for them during school hours, after school hours, and then, you know, having the flexibility of working more on the weekends and times when they're sleeping, like at five in the morning or, you know, eight at night. Um, So, it's good from that point of view. That's great. Well, Jim, let's get to know you personally. Firstly, share with with the listeners, where did you grow up? 
Good question. So I grew up in the um, lower socioeconomic part of Melbourne, so southeastern suburbs, in a Greek migrant family. So not your typical Greek migrant family like you see in my big fat Greek wedding where, you know, the dad buys everyone a house um, before they get married. Uh, Definitely wasn't that kind of situation for me. Um, Yeah, ultimately it was around, you know, just getting there. My parents were quite sort of risk averse. And so, you know, it was just making what you could do and and, and go from there. Mal Martinez explains to us how his upbringing shaped his approach to life today, giving him the attitude needed to save and succeed. I think for us, it was um, it was pretty tight um, in terms of just having access to things. I remember that, you know, all the things, because I had quite a lot of great cousins who were really affluent and, you know, their parents owned fish and chip shops and they were doing really well. And, and my parents, you know, we were living sort of week to week in terms of, you know, food that was available and that kind of thing. And I remember a pivotal moment, Ty, like as a young boy when you're 13 and you sort of can't buy the clothes that you like. And I had a cousin that was two years older than me and he was really into basketball, which I personally am not. No offense to any basketball fans out there. I've got into it with my kids, but it wasn't my thing when I was young. Um, and his clothes perfectly fit me. So I remember my mum, you know, handing down his clothes and be going to school wearing these basketball clothes, thinking there's got to be a better way. So I just got my first job when I was at uh, 13 years of age at a fish and chip shop. And it wasn't my parents' fish and chip shop. It was just some <laughs> random family, but everyone assumed it was mine because I had that Greek background. And that just allowed me the freedom really to, at 13, be able to buy the things I liked, you know, and it was mainly around clothes. It was around even silly things like food treats and stuff like that, you know, chocolate biscuits or whatever it would be, just stuff that you just don't get normally. And yeah, so clothes, and I really was into music. So I spent pretty much all my money on clothes, food and CDs when it came to that sort of things and and also personal development stuff. I remember one big moment um, I saved up for a CD set for a personal development speaker at 13. It was a 250-buck um, CD set of 14 CDs. And it took me a long time to save that $4 an hour to get to $250. Uh, but I did, and I listened to all 13 CDs, and I, I still have them to this day. That was many, many years ago. Um, and, you know, it, I didn't realize it at the time, but I didn't realize what a great foundation it would give me to life by being able to, be, you know, set goals, be clear on what you want in life, um, you know, have goal books, visualize them, feel them and create them. And and for me, that's been fundamental in my life ever since I was 13. I've been doing that. And, and that's really now that I look at those goal books and reflect on them, um, pretty much everything in them in those early years has come true. And they weren't all money-based. Um, a lot of them were family-based um, in terms of finding my beautiful wife and life partner and the family that I've created along with the property journey that I've experienced um, through the development. So yeah, property, the gold books do work and I still do it to this day. I figured don't stop something great that's working. That Tony Robbins CD set was a highlight of what was otherwise quite a challenging time growing up for Mal Martinez. Look, I can't say there was a lot of fond memories for me growing up, to be honest, just in, in a whole. I think it was pretty much a challenge. I went to Cleveland High, which was Funnily enough, ranked one of the worst uh, performing schools in all all of Australia since before it was knocked down. Um, It was in quite a rough neighbourhood in Dandenong. So many people in in, in Melbourne would be familiar with the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. So not a really pleasant environment, a lot of gangs, and it was just really rough. But, you know, 
yeah, really grateful for that experience because now I can look back and say that made me the resilient person that I am now that helped me get to where I am. But I've got to be honest with you, Ty, if you asked me that 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't, as, <laughs> wouldn't have been as grateful as I am now. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think high school for me and even primary school, I think just, you know, childhood in general was, was a challenge um, through a lot of different things. But, you know, ultimately, it was, it was what I was meant to live through to make me that resilient person to achieve what I've achieved, not only, you know, from my property portfolio and the monetarily, monetary side of things, but more important to me right now is family and the love and connection I have with my kids and my beautiful wife. Um, and also some really amazing friends. I've got, I had one best friend from high school and, you know, we're, we're still in touch to, to this day. We're best friends and we've, you know, my wife and I have christened both of her children. And that's probably the one takeout that I'll take from high school is that one friend that stuck by me through all those, you know, challenging times. I think there's a lot of gangs in my school in particular. So gangs sort of targeting groups of people. I wasn't a victim to be honest, because I was able to be smart enough to avoid fighting because that was never my thing. So I was, I was always a good talker, which is why I do what I do now. You know, I, I was able to talk my thing, my way out of a lot of things. But I think, you know, ultimately it comes down to just having, um, you know, that parent sort of support and protection when, when you're younger. And, you know, where we grew up and how we grew up was just that little bit different. And I think ultimately, you know, I look back at my parents and they did a great job. They did the best job that they could do, you know, the best job that they knew how to do. I think every parent has that that wish and dream for their children. I want to do the best I can. And they did. They did the best they knew how to do. Um, and they definitely were one of my best teachers in life because they taught me exactly what I didn't want to be in life when I grew up as a parent. Um, they were very risk averse and very fear driven. And, you know, they're beautiful, loving people. But ultimately, for me, when I'm raising my children, I really wanted, I didn't want to raise fear-driven, um, risk-averse kids. I wanted them to be resilient and to be empowered to, to know that ultimately anything that you want, if you're clear on what that is, you can have it. And so generationally, I wanted that to stop with my family and I'm the eldest of four boys, so my brothers and I. Um, I wanted that to stop and by meeting a great and loving partner who, you know, had a, a lovely childhood and were able to come together and really create that family unit, which is so important. I think ultimately, you know, the property stuff and the money stuff is, is a great thing, so I don't get me wrong, but there's more to life than money for me. It's, it's always been about passions and dreams and, and the money's been a journey to help get to that. And it's great, right? Everyone loves the nice houses and the nice cars and, and the investment property portfolios and all that kind of stuff. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate it. Um, but it's not the only driver for me. Mal Martinez explains why his parents were so protective while he and his brothers were growing up. He also gives us his takeaways from those experiences and transitioning into uni and the workforce. Look, my parents were very, um, like I said, fear-driven, risk-averse. It was about getting a good job, staying in that job. Um, and so they were both factory workers um, over the course of their lives until there was periods where they couldn't work for, for various reasons. So they instilled in us that, you know, we should just get get one good job, 
and stay with that job for the rest of your life. And, you know, even sometimes the smallest risk that I would take, like going to uni, like it wasn't expected of me to go to uni. Some migrant families really push for their children to go to uni. My parents didn't. So I went to uni out of my own accord. I was the first and only one in my family to, to do that, but it was just a drive for me. I really wanted to just to, you know, just to get better and improve myself from a really young age. Like I said, from 13, it started of my first foray into growing my mind and that personal development side with those CDs. And, you know, I never looked back. So ultimately with my parents, it was everything that I did was, you know, that almost try and talk me out of it. So I remember buying my first investment property. They were like, well, why don't you just buy your first house so that you can live in that when you get married for the rest of your life? And I remember when I did my first property development project, my dad was almost, he was so fearful for me because of the amount I had to borrow to make it happen. He was actively trying to talk me out of it. Um, and it's, it's, it's amazing that I was able to, you know, because your parents are big influence on your life. Um, but I always took their opinion on board and I listened to it, but I just never did what they wanted. I was able to take it on board. It still made me very fearful though and made me overthink things because they're your parents at the end of the day. That's all you know. Um, but I was able just to rise above that sort of thinking and take those risks. And I think when I went my partner as well, my beautiful wife, she having that team dynamic together, we, you know, we did a lot of the things that we've done together. Matt, I remember um, finishing uni. I finished my undergrad in, I got a BA from Monash University in management and marketing because that was always what I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be a marketer. And property was always this dream of mine since I was a kid. I, you know, I remember having an exercise book. I was really into floor plans and I really loved that side of things. So I was 10 years old and I'll never forget sitting at 10 years old and just designing floor plans. Um, and then I remember going, getting into year nine and thinking, I'll be an architect. That's what I want to do. Started doing graphics and realized that I'm not really good at angles and CAD and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that dream's not going to happen. But the first investment property and then the following properties that I developed after that, I hand drew those floor plans and I gave them to the architect. And it was such a beautiful 360 moment for me, a full circle moment to say, you know, Whilst I couldn't do that dream, I did it in another way where I could still hand draw it, just give it to the experts. Um, so going back to your question around the first property, um, I was 22, first job, I was a temp and I remember I really wanted to get into the property market as soon as possible. I had this burning desire since I was just a young kid. I just knew that it was a way to build wealth. And I don't know how I knew that because my parents definitely weren't driving that in me, I think, you know, seeing other people do it, seeing relatives do it, having it as a dream, having the passion for property from a young child. Um, I remember being permanent and just, sorry, being uh, a temp when I first started my job as a customer service operator in an international freight company. And I, rem and I remember yeah, saying, I really want to be permanent because I need to get a, a mortgage. And, you know, and it took six months of me hounding them and doing my best absolute work so that they wouldn't want to lose me to uh, make myself permanent because obviously you can't get a mortgage until you're a permanent employee. And yeah. And so, you know, at 22, I was really pushing to get a loan. And there's not a lot of 22 year olds that want a mortgage that early. They're still out there. A lot of my mates were still out there partying and I'm sitting there paying off a mortgage and I, was, I would still go out, but not to the extreme that they would. Coming up after the break, we get stuck into Malamatinas' property developments. I wanted to live by the bay 
and have that dream house with, you know, the bay views and, and, and walking distance to the beach. That was always the end goal. And I literally property developed my way here. How he raised up the funding needed to support himself through tertiary education. My parents, you know, gave me shelter, which was amazing, but they really couldn't afford much more. And I had to contribute to help them as well because at certain point, points they weren't working. So I always had a job. His investment strategy since his early 20s and how it has developed. We built up quite a few properties from 22. We're buying properties probably every two years. Um, and then we started in our 30s. We started prop early 30s was our first property development project. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Do you find yourself stressed out not knowing how or where to find the best property deals or what the best strategy is to build a wealth generating portfolio? Well, Dragon Dominski can help you while you save time and money. With about two decades of experience as an investor and expert buyer's agent, he finds positively geared properties with development potentials and secures and negotiates off-market deals for his clients. Now, he's offering you a no-obligation 45-minute strategy call to get you started. Just simply text the code BAA with your name and email address to 0405-105-074 to get your no-obligation free 45-minute strategy call. During his young adult life, Malmatinas had to work hard to get himself through his university years, juggling several jobs and studying simultaneously. I worked throughout the whole time. I needed to support myself ultimately. I mean, my parents, you know, gave me shelter, which was amazing, but they really couldn't afford much more. And I had to contribute to help them as well because at certain point, points they weren't working. So I always had a job. Um, I had at one point I had three jobs um, going through uni. So. Fish and chip shops was my thing. I ended up becoming a master of fish and chip shops. Not that it's a great job, especially I've got to say in summer. It's probably one of the worst jobs. You're dealing with hungry people um, in a really hot environment. And especially on Good Friday, people would be waiting an hour and a half for their fish and it wasn't fun. Um, but I had a few jobs at working at different fish and chip shops. I became like the manager, the big manager of a fish and chip shop and you know, got three different gigs which was good. And then I remember at the age of 19, so you know, a year into uni, I thought maybe there's some other jobs I can delve into because it was great. I was with the one family who you know, were buying a lot of different shops. But then I moved into Video Easy and that was such a change. I was so excited. I became the assistant manager immediately at a big Video Easy shop where I grew up. And it was such a different dynamic. You know, I was serving people that were happy because they were looking for their entertainment for the night they'd eaten already. So they were satisfied. And they were asking me for recommendations on what film should we watch tonight. And it was just the most fun job. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, we could watch all the previews that would come just come off cinema before anyone else could. Um, yeah, and it was, a, it was a really great experience. But I think coming from a fish and chip shop, really hard work, kind of hard physical labor environment to, to scanning videos and stocking shelves and cleaning some tapes occasionally and, you know, obviously running the reports and that side as a manager, it was a very pleasant experience, I would say, compared to uh, where I started. But again, I think it's a good foundation to start, sometimes start at the bottom and work your way up. 
it just teaches you that resilience. Yeah, there's no going the other way around. Definitely it was the one, the one way back. I'll just never forget this moment. I think I was about 15 years old and, you know, I was at the front of the fish and chip shop, so serving people, which was the, the promoted kind of job. But you'd have to peel potatoes occasionally too because that's how you made chips. So there was a mach- machine that peeled potatoes, but all the potato peels would become a froth and they'd go into this box and you'd have to carry it out into the dump master and it would smell like a very putrid smell. I remember one day the box broke and all this feeling fell on the ground and I was about two metres from the dump, dump master <laughs> and I, would sit, I was on my hands and knees picking, scraping it all off and putting it thinking, this is a real coming to God moment, mate. If you don't get strong over this, you know, it doesn't get any worse at this point. You're 15 years old, all your mates are around. They can see what you're doing. It was quite, you know, when you're 15, it's so important what people think of you. And I was thinking, here I am. But you know what? I think, you know, looking back now, you think, wow, was a great experience and i want my kids to have maybe not that severe an experience but it's just so important for them to have you know experiences and me not to spoon feed them the success that i've had i really want them to go through you know and my daughter now just turned 15 which is a legal age to, to get a job and she'll be getting a job you know she's applying out to a few jobs now and, and she doesn't need to get a job but it's important for her development her learning her resilience to earn money To fulfill his dream, Mel Martinez had to succeed in each job he took out of uni, developing properties while working hard in the corporate world. I climbed the corporate ladder in that, in that first organisation and then I had a passion for the pharmaceutical industry and there was a lot of people, you know, a lot of friends of mine that were in the pharmaceutical industry so I was lucky enough to, to get a job at um, one of the leading Australian pharmaceutical companies and I joined that and I, I worked there for quite a long time and I rose through the ranks into senior marketing management. I did my MBA with them as well. They, they funded that for me, which was a really great experience and a really great qualification to have a postgrad and an MBA in particular. So rose through the ranks and, and got into, um, you know, senior marketing management roles, which was a great achievement. But at the same time, every night I would come home to my wife, who was also an accountant, and is now a leading accountant in her field. And we would talk about our property investment strategy every night. And that's when we'd both come alive because that's what we just loved. It was a passion from childhood, right? So we talk about, you know, the next investment property and the next project that we would do as a property development project. Um, but the one thing I think having my wife, which was a great experience, was that we were really conscious of numbers. And so, you know, strategically, being able to, for us, the strategy was always, I wanted to live by the bay and have that dream house with, you know, the bay views and, and, and walking distance to the beach. That was always the end goal. And I literally property developed my way here. So, you know, there was multiple properties that I, you know, that started off with an asset base, quite a big one. And then I divested a few to be able to build this home at a really young age so that I could enjoy it while my kids were young versus having it when I was in my 60s and you know really the kids are gone by then so what am I going to do with it right so so yeah so I built a really strong asset base early divested a few properties and then we built this home about seven years ago now so my kids we got in here when they were really young and it's just a great experience to be able to have this now while they're growing up so that they can use all the spaces we live in an amazing bayside location where like I said you know I walk on the beach every morning um that was always a dream from when I started writing those goal books when I was 13. As soon as he could, Mal Martinez began investing in property and kept working on his dream throughout his adult life. 
So we built up multiple properties in the early days. So in the 20s, we built up quite a few properties from 22. We're buying properties probably every two years. Um, and then we started in our 30s. We started prop- early 30s was our first property development project. And that's when, you know, it all began. And I remember we had built a home, um, our first home when we got married in Roeville. So we bought land and we built this big 40-square home in between both parents. It was the right thing to do. You know, you had built-in babysitters, if you like, or they were close by. And it was this beautiful home that was ready to go. And um, But the dream was always the bay. So it got to a point where the trade-off was we had a trip to Hawaii. I remember my wife was 20 weeks pregnant with our second child. So I had a four-year-old. I had a wife that was 20 weeks pregnant. We had a trip to Hawaii. After living in Rover for seven years in that beautiful house, the baby's room was ready because the four-year-old had her own big girl bed. Um, went to Hawaii, came back, and we sold that house and we moved into a shack by the beach. But it was really, you know, a renovator's delight or a renovator's detonate, whichever you'd like to call it. But um, it had no heating, had no calling. Um, and I moved myself and my family into that at a time that probably wasn't opportune. You know, if you look back and you think, gee, opportunities don't come at the best time, they don't come in at an easy time. And that was probably one of the most challenging times of my life, I've got to say. Um, doing that. So moving my whole family from this perfect house that was really ready to go from our second child's room was all set. He would have just slid into there and, you know, the cup was done, everything was beautiful. But yeah, this house that we moved into was really, it was really um, a dive. And the fact that it had no heading and cooling in winter was just a massive challenge. But I had an amazing supportive wife who was on the journey with me. So it wasn't me just saying, let's just do it. And it's the whole way. We agreed to do it for the future and where it would, you know, take us. But at the same time, it, you know, it was one of those big, challenging crossroads in life, not only from a property perspective, but also from a personal perspective. Because there was moments where, you know, it wasn't going well. You know, our builder at the time that we'd committed to went into liquidation. And, you know, I remember just thinking to myself, this is really, uh, you know, I have two choices. I, was, I remember I was lying in bed. I was literally living with possums. There was possums above my head. Um, I could hear them at night. I wasn't sleeping very well. And um, I really remember having a choice where this is a time when I can either just cave, you know, fold if you like and, and prove my parents right that taking risks is not a good thing or I could just stand up and fight and win. And it was a really tough lesson for me but just, you know, as a man really for life kind of thing, not a life lesson as a husband and also as a father, I had to really step up because I was responsible for driving that. Even though my wife was very supportive, I drove it. And so, you know, I look back at that time now and there's been many, many times like that, but that was probably the first most pivotal time when you're thinking this could go one or two ways and you got to choose which way it goes. And I chose to fight and luckily, you know, we won and it became the best decision because it was really the foundation of a great asset base for us to continue to develop to get to this home now. Jim Malmatina's journey has been filled with hardships and obstacles to overcome. Learn how he worked through these challenges. I've got a four-year-old in a room 
you know, cold. I had panel heaters that were sort of doing the job a little bit. I had my wife that was pregnant. She was probably 30 weeks at that stage. And, you know, we'd invested some money with a builder and lost it. The importance of consulting a variety of professionals. I just started to ask questions, get curious, talk to different people, friends, architects, all different people. And that's how I figured out what the actual process was because I had no idea. How his experiences inform what he does now? What we do with each of our developments, whether it's one, two or three units, we normally keep one or two depending on on the finances and the next project that we need to finance. And that will be featured on a future episode of Property Investory. Thanks for listening. Do you find yourself stressed out not knowing how or where to find the best property deals? Or what the best strategy is to build a wealth generating portfolio? Well, Dragon Dominski can help you while you save time and money. With about two decades of experience as an investor and expert buyer's agent, he finds positively geared properties with development potentials and secures and negotiates off-market deals for his clients. Now, he's offering you a no-obligation 45-minute strategy call to get you started. Just simply text the code BAA with your name and email address to 0405-105-074 to get your no-obligation free 45-minute strategy call.